I am really honored to be with you. It's great to be in a church like this that's um, standing strong for the gospel and trying to reach its community. I loved on your bulletin that it said you go out witnessing in the park. Do I have that right? I think that's great. I appreciate a church that schedules regular times of evangelism. And uh, that is really neat. It's great to be here with you this morning. Uh, there's a lot written about me in that bulletin. Some of that, it's a, way more than you want to read or need to know. Some of it, I think, is probably even made up. But I appreciate the kind uh, greeting and the uh, offer to speak and hope that Robert's having a good time. I think he's in Chicago is what I hear. So I'm not sure this is the time of year that I'd want to be in Chicago, but hopefully he's uh, having a good time with his wife there. Well, I would like you to turn in your Bibles to Psalm 131, if you would. Psalm 131. I'm going to be reading from the ESV, and I think I am actually using what is the same pew Bible that you have in the back uh, is actually the Bible I'm reading out of. So if, um, if that's correct, and if you're using one of those Bibles, I think it's page 519, but it's definitely Psalm 131. And I'm reading out of the ESV, so if that's the translation you're using, we'll be on exactly the same page. Otherwise, we'll, you'll be able to follow along and, and, uh, and understand what I'm reading. So Psalm 131, title of the sermon is Humility and Contentment. So um, what I want you to get out of this sermon this morning is an encouragement um, that if, if you will be humble before the Lord, you will experience peace with the Lord. That's the big idea. So if you zoned out for the rest of the sermon but just got that, you'd be doing pretty well. If you will be humble before the Lord, you will experience peace and contentment with the Lord. So as we read this passage, I want you to see that, and then I'm going to preach that for the rest of our time this morning. So Psalm 131, if you'd follow along, it says this. A song of ascents of David. O Lord, my heart is not lifted up. My eyes are not raised too high. I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me. But I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child is my soul within me. O Israel, hope in the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. Let's pray. Father, my prayer is that you would lead us to greater peace with you, Father, and that you would teach us to be humble before you so that we could enjoy the peace that was purchased for us on Calvary. God, I have no doubt that in this room are some troubled hearts. I have no doubt that in this room are represented a vast variety of anxieties, fears, and struggles. But God, you can teach us to have peace. So I pray that you would do this this morning in Christ's name. Amen. Who wouldn't want more peace? Who amongst us wouldn't like a little less anxiety in our life? A little less hand-wringing? Fewer sleepless nights? Anybody else wake up early in the morning with some trouble on your mind and you think, this is not how I want to start the day, waking up worried about fill in the blank. Who wouldn't like 
a little more peace. Well, you and I both know we live in a society where people want more peace. People want peace. And there's no shortage of things to sell you with the hope of getting more peace. You can buy yoga mats and you can buy calming soap and you can buy calming scented candles and calming lotions and you can download calming music and you can even drink calming tea. And I was at the pet store a little bit ago, a few weeks ago, and they even have calming products for dogs, for your anxious pet. Uh, Nothing I'm going to say will be helpful for Fido this morning, but you can buy calming products even for your dog. But for all the products that are there for you to buy, for all the spas in Southern California, for all the incense burned, for all the candles lit, peace eludes us. Anxiety plagues us. And I say this as someone who wants more peace in my life to a group of people who no doubt want more peace in their lives. This psalm, this little psalm, these three verses can help us to have more peace. In your bulletin is a a quote from Spurgeon. So I'll give you a quote from Spurgeon on this passage. Spurgeon, of course, wrote a commentary on the Psalms. And in his commentary on this Psalm, he said, this Psalm is easy to read and hard to learn. It's easy to read and it's hard to learn. Three verses that will help you have peace. That's this Psalm. So let me give you a quick outline if you're a note-taking type. Let me give you a quick outline. I'm going to say a few introductory remarks about the kind of psalm that this is. And then I'm going to give you, first, a picture of peace. And we're going to see that in verse 2. So the first thing I'm going to give you is a picture of peace in verse 2. And then the second thing will be the source of peace, and that's in verse 1. So first, a picture of peace. Second, the source of peace. And third, in verse 3, the result of peace. So in this psalm, there's a picture of peace. And then we're told the source of peace. And then we're told the result of peace. That's my outline for you this morning. If you're a note-taking type person. So first, let me say a few words about the kind of psalm that this is. Look down in your Bible. You'll notice before even the psalm begins, it says... Psalm 131, a song of ascent of David. A song of ascent. And in the book of Psalms in the Bible, Psalms 120 through Psalm 134 are called songs of ascent or psalms of ascent. And they're called that because as the Jews would pilgrim to Jerusalem for their three major festivals, Passover, Pentecost, and Tabernacles. Those are the three major festivals, Passover, Pentecost, and Tabernacle. As they would journey to Jerusalem, they would sing these songs. So the Jews knew these songs. Jesus knew these songs. Jesus would have learned these songs as a young boy, 
And as they went up to Jerusalem, Jerusalem's on a hill, as they went up to Jerusalem, as they ascended to Jerusalem, they would sing these songs of ascent. They're also called pilgrim songs because as they pilgrimed to Jerusalem, as they journeyed to Jerusalem, they would sing these songs. And you know that Jerusalem goes by another name in the Bible. The other name for Jerusalem is Zion. As they were pilgriming to Zion, they would sing these songs. Well, what in the world does that have to do with us today here in Southern California? Well, these songs are important for us. They are written also for us. You and I both know that in the Bible, heaven is referred to as Zion. In 1 Peter 2.6, Peter says, Behold, I lay in Zion a chosen and precious cornerstone. Heaven is called Zion. And we are pilgrims too. We are on a journey upward. We are on a journey to the heavenly Zion. And so these psalms will help us on that journey to grow in our faith. The Jews in David's day were and in Jesus' day were journeying towards a tabernacle. But the Bible tells us in Acts 7, Stephen tells us that we are journeying towards a tabernacle not made with hands. And so we are pilgrims too. We are on a journey to Zion. And on our journey, on our pilgrimage, this psalm has something to teach us about peace. And so... I want to first show us from this passage a picture of peace. Look in verse 2. The picture of peace. David, King David, warrior David, ruler David. David who's killed lions. David who's killed bears. David who's killed men in battle. David pictures himself in verse 2 as a weaned child. Let's look at it again. Verse 2. David says, I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother, like a weaned child is my soul within me. Picture David in all of his royal attire with his sword or spear, whatever his, his weapon was. Picture David in all of his strength and in all of his might saying, my soul is like a toddler. That's what he's talking about. A child, a toddler, old enough to not need to nurse, but young enough to still want mom. You know that stage of life, don't you? Old enough to be a big boy and yet young enough to want mom and really only to be happy when he's with mom. David's like a toddler. He says, my soul is like a toddler within me. And look, understand what David is saying. On your, pilgrim to, on your pilgrimage to the heavenly Zion, as you journey towards heaven, David is saying you should experience some more toddler moments in your life. You should experience some more toddler moments in your life. Now, David is not saying that we should be immature in our faith. He's not saying you should just be an immature Christian. After all, he's not saying we shouldn't ask hard questions. This is David 
who many times in the Psalms, when he's going through hardships, cries out to God, God, where are you? David is not saying be immature and don't ask hard questions. That's, that's not what he's saying. David's not saying don't go deep in your faith. David isn't saying stay away from theology and just be immature. He's not saying that. After all, this is David who in Psalm 51.5 ponders the depths of his own sin and says, in iniquity I was conceived. This is hard question asking David. This is deep theology, David. He's not giving you an excuse to be immature in your faith. He's not saying that. He's saying that we get that God should be to us. God should be to us what a mother is to a weaned child. God should be to you what a mommy is to a toddler. The ultimate source of peace and the only true source of contentment. The only source of peace and the ultimate soul source of contentment. My brother-in-law and his wife just visited us this past week, and they have a, a child who uh, will be two in a few months. They have a toddler. Have you been around a toddler recently? There are times when they can be inconsolable. I can't, I can't get them to stop crying. My wife couldn't get this to toddler to stop crying. Daddy cannot get the toddler to stop crying, but mommy, when mommy is there, when mommy picks up the child, when mommy holds the child close to herself, the child finds peace. And the, all the problems in the toddler's world, you know, the dropped cookie or the toy that's no longer there, all of the problems that seem so big to the toddler disappear when the toddler is in mommy's arms. David is saying, your soul should be like that with God. When you draw near to God, when you draw near to your father, you are like a weaned child against its mother. You can find peace. You can find peace. So, that is the picture of peace. And this is what David wants for us. Now that you understand the picture of David wants for you, as you journey to heaven, more toddler moments. Now you understand what that means. More spiritual toddler moments. That's the picture. Now that you know the picture, number two, how do you get that kind of peace? The picture of peace is in verse two, but the source of peace is in verse one. So look in verse one with me. Oh Lord, my heart is not lifted up. My eyes are not raised too high. I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me. Do you see that David is saying the same thing three times? He does the same thing in verse 2. He, this is a, a common pattern in the, in the Psalms of Ascent. The same thing is repeated three times for emphasis so that we'll get it. We see the picture of peace, a child weaned up against its mother, that's what it looks like to be content with God. But how do you get there? That's a practical question, isn't it? Isn't it? How do I actually get that kind of peace? I see the picture, but how do I get it? 
How do I get that kind of peace? Well, look at verse 1 again, and, and you'll see that the point of peace, the point of verse 1 is that if you will be humble before God, you will experience peace. Now let's again remind ourselves who's writing this. It's King David, a man with great responsibility, King David. A man with weighty decisions to make, King David. A man with significant power, that's King David. This is a man who says his soul is like a weaned child, and he's telling us the secret. You see, sometimes we think we would have more peace if we didn't have all the responsibilities of life. Oh, if I didn't have all the responsibilities of life, then I'd have peace. That's worldly thinking, brothers and sisters. David is instructing us on how to have peace, and he's in a stressful job. He has stressful decisions. He has lots of people looking to him to provide for them, to protect them, to make sure they eat and don't die. And yet David, with all of those weighty responsibilities, says, you can have a soul within you that is like a weaned child, totally at peace. Well, look at verse 1. He starts out by saying, O oh Lord, my heart is not lifted up. I think in the King James, or maybe the New King James, it's translated haughty. My soul is not haughty. Literally in the Hebrew, it's not haughty my heart. That's literally what the Hebrew says. Not haughty my heart. And the Hebrew word gabah means proud or lifted up. And David uses the Hebrew word for not, low, low gabah. He says, my heart is not proud. My heart is not haughty. My heart is not lifted up. That's exactly what David is saying. His heart. You know what he's referring to there, don't you? The heart is the inner man. The, the, the truth about who you are is in your heart. Not the projected self. Not the self you project to the world. Not the social media self. Not the bumper sticker self. But the real you. That's your heart. David says, deep within me, in the true innermost chamber of me, he says, my heart is not lifted up. My heart is not proud. My heart is not haughty. My heart is not exalted. Now, this is an important point. Please pay attention to what I'm about to say. This is an important instructive point for us about the appearance and the reality of humility. The appearance and the reality of humility. You can appear lowly and yet be haughty. You can appear lowly, poor, disheveled. You can appear humble and yet in your heart before God be haughty be proud, and be self-exalted. And inside, you will have no peace. If you would have saw, seen David, 
you would not have looked at a man that you thought was Logabah. You would not have been looking at a man you thought was lowly. You would have seen a man in a robe. You would have seen a man with great physical power, a high job, a big paycheck. And you would have thought, oh, he's just a proud man. But David says, no, I'm not. David says, my heart, which you can't see, my heart within me, David says, is humble, broken, contrite, lowly. Humility, this is the point. Humility is not about your economic station or your social status. It is about the status of your soul before God. Humility is not about your social status or your economic status. There are financially poor people who are haughty and there are rich people who are lowly of soul. So don't think, oh, I'm poor, so I'm humble. Not necessarily. Or don't think I'm rich, so I must be proud. Not necessarily. There's a difference between the appearance of your status and the status of your soul. Humility, humility is about the status of your soul before God. That's the point. David's humility is the source of his peace. He knows his station before God. David is a man who knows his station before God. David is a king, but he knows that God is sovereign over all. David's a king, but he knows that God is sovereign over all. David commands troops, but God commands the stars. Notice he says, things too great and too marvelous for me. Remember, this is David. This is David who asks questions like, where can I go from God's presence? David has pondered deep things, and the result is that he has been humbled before God. David is wise, but he knows that God is the source of wisdom. And so David's humility is the source of his peace. David's humility is the source of his peace. We live in California, and so you've probably spent some time at Yosemite. Anybody who has been to Yosemite, right? Well, if you go to Yosemite and you go to the valley floor and you look up at El Cap or you stand at the base of Half Dome, and it might not be Yosemite. Maybe you've stood at the Grand Canyon and looked down into that massive space. Or maybe it's just going to the beach and looking out over the vastness of the ocean. There are certain places you can go in nature where you feel small. Not unimportant, just small. And David has pondered the depths of his sin. David has pondered the greatness of God. David has spent time thinking about the omnipresence of God. David has spent time thinking about his sin and his need for a savior. And so he's not unimportant before God, but he understands the bigness, the vastness, the greatness of God and his smallness in comparison. And so he is humble. And as a result of being humble, he has peace. If you want to have peace, everybody, 
wants to have peace. If you want to have peace, you must pay the price of humility. If you want to have peace, you must learn to be humble. Let me put it to you this way. If you find yourself lacking peace, you have probably allowed pride to grow in your heart. This is the point of the sermon that might be a little confrontational for us as we think about how we lack peace. If you find yourself lacking peace, it may just be that you have allowed pride to grow in your heart. Think about this for a moment. We lack peace because we think we deserve more than we have. We lack peace because we think we deserve more than we have. We lack peace because we feel we've not received the recognition we deserve. So we're all worked up about something because somebody didn't give us the recognition or we don't quite have what we think we should have or we lack peace when others might find out what we're really like. People might know what I'm really like and so we're worried about that because people might know that we're not the person we project ourselves to be. Or we lack peace when it becomes evident that we're not in control as we want other people to think. And so as we feel things spinning out of our control, we lack peace, we get anxious because we're afraid other people will know we're not in control of our lives like we want to project that we are. Maybe I'm the only person who feels that way. That's what I think when I think about why I lack peace in relation to the fact that I lack humility. And so do you. And that's why we lack peace. Now you understand why Spurgeon says it's a short psalm to read, but a long psalm to learn, right? So the picture of peace, a child in his soul weaned up against his mother. That's the picture. The source of peace is humility before God. That's the source. Well, third, let us see together the result of peace. The result of peace. And that's found in verse 3. So look with me at verse 3. David says, O Israel, hope in the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. Hope in the Lord. The picture of peace is a child weaned to its mother. The source of peace is humility before God, but the result of peace is that you hope, cling, rest in God. Now remember that these are songs that they would sing on their way to Jerusalem. And what is it that they will do in Jerusalem? Think with me for a moment. What are they going to Jerusalem to do? To make sacrifices and to make offerings. Why? Because they're remembering the Exodus. All three of these festivals have to do with the fact that God brought Israel out of Egypt and into the promised land. And of course, you know that that's a picture of salvation. God sets us free from the bondage of sin and death, and he delivers us into the kingdom of his beloved son. So these songs are about salvation and about the need for salvation. So as you're going up to Jerusalem singing these songs, you've got an animal with you that you plan to kill for a sacrifice in Jerusalem. So what might you be thinking about on the way to Jerusalem as you're going to make a sacrifice for your sin? What might you be thinking about? You might be thinking about your sin. And you might be thinking about how wretched you are. 
And you might be thinking about the 101 ways you blew it like this week. You might be thinking about things you said that you wish you never said. Or things you did. Or things you didn't do. You might have been thinking about all the ways you failed. And you might be tempted to think there's no way God could love someone like me. There's no blood enough to cover my sins. I've blown it too many times. You might be tempted to think that. And so, the greatest source of anxiety is spiritual. The greatest struggle you will have in lacking peace as you journey to Zion is spiritual. Will I really make it to heaven? You might think to yourself. On bad days, you might think to yourself, am I even going to make it to Zion? Am I really forgiven? Have I messed up too much? Is God's mercy really sufficient for a sinner like me? Is it really well with my soul? The peace that David has is about knowing that you belong to the Lord. You are secure in His arms. The blood of Jesus Christ has that shed atones for all of our sins. And if you are in the arms of the Father, if you through faith can cry out, Abba, Father, He will never let you go. That's why we sing that song. Oh, no, you never let go. See, the greatest anxiety you'll face is not financial. It's not about health. The greatest anxiety you'll ever face is spiritual. One day you're going to die, and the anxiety is about Will I really be welcomed into the eternal arms of God in Zion? And David is saying, if you are trusting in the Lord, if you are humble before God, then you should have peace knowing he's got you and will not let go. Think back to that weaning child. What's that toddler against his mother's bosom? What's he worried about? Nothing. That toddler is not thinking, I wonder what we're going to eat for dinner tomorrow. I wonder if dad paid the mortgage bill. I wonder if the car is going to start. You know, it's getting hot. I wonder if I'm going to overheat on my way to work this week. The picture is of you trusting in God because the blood of Jesus Christ is enough to cover everything you've done. So if you're trusting in him, the hope of this psalm is that you can have peace with God as you are humbled that you could never earn your salvation, but Jesus is enough. That humility leads to that peace, leads to that hope. And that's the point of this psalm. So the picture, a wean child, the source, humility before God, and the result, hope with God. Let me leave you with a quote from Spurgeon. Spurgeon says this about this psalm. Listen to this. We are lifted out of the anxieties of our temporary state and in our souls rest in heaven. Rest with God even as we journey on earth. In your soul, whatever hardships you're going through, as you are looking to God on your journey to God, if you are trusting in God, whatever you're going through, brothers and sisters, you can have peace.
Let's pray. Father, I pray that for your people and for myself. We are sinners. God, forgive us. We are sinners, God. We confess we need Jesus. We confess that without Jesus, we have no hope. He's our only hope, Father. God, I pray that you administer to the hearts of your people right now. God, I feel pastoral right now towards your people. I pray that right now, whatever hardships, whatever worries besiege them, I pray that you would pierce through the darkness and humble them before you and remind them you've got it. You've got them. You're sovereign. You'll never let them go. And I pray, God, that as they leave here today, they would feel as though a burden has been lifted as if they have laid down some heavy burden and they can leave here today with peace in their hearts because God is on the throne. Jesus has atoned for our sins. We need not worry. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.